It turns out that the types of food that we eat, how often we are eating, these things actually have a larger influence on our metabolic health ultimately. Welcome to the Coach You Show, where we learn directly from Dennis Yu and special guests. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Coach You Show, where we interview experts on what they're good at. Today, we have a cardiothoracic surgeon. Wow, that's a mouthful. Philip Ovadia, and he's going to teach us entrepreneurs about metabolic health and heart health. Welcome, Philip. Hi, Dennis. Great to be here. Man, so how do you become a heart surgeon? You go through a lot of school and then a lot of training. And it's a, a difficult path, but it's a very worthy path to pursue. Why did you want to be a heart surgeon? So interestingly, I kind of always knew I wanted to be a surgeon, a physician, but specifically a surgeon. When you ask my parents when I was very young, if anyone asked me what I wanted to do, I always said I wanted to be a surgeon. And I don't actually know that I knew what a surgeon was back then, but you know, that uh, passion kind of stayed with me. And as I went through college and then medical school and ultimately training to become a surgeon, it felt right to me and I love doing it. And I feel fortunate every day that I can help people in that way. I imagine that you're the last person that any of us want to be able to see, right? <laughs> I mean, if we're talking to you, that means things probably aren't going so well. Well, that's very much true. And one of the things we're going to talk about is how I've recently added a, another dimension to my career in that I now try and help people to stay off my operating room table and avoid the need for heart surgery. So what do I need to do to avoid spending time with Philip? Well, first and foremost, what I've come to learn is that heart disease is a result of poor metabolic health. And that's something that our healthcare system has done a very poor job of recognizing. Unfortunately, our healthcare system has evolved to a place where we focus on treating diseases, whether it's with medications or surgeries or procedures, and we really have lost sight of being able to prevent diseases or reverse diseases early on in their course before they get advanced enough that people need heart surgery and other very specialized treatments. So what is metabolic health and how do we measure it? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and that's oftentimes the first question that I get when I talk about this concept. In simplest terms, metabolic health means that your body is properly processing the inputs that you're giving it. And that is mostly in the form of the food that we eat. Although there's certainly influence from other things like exercise and stress and sunlight. But when we eat, one of three things is supposed to happen. We're supposed to use that food for immediate energy to kind of fuel all of our activities. We're supposed to build and rebuild our tissues, and we're supposed to store some of it in case food and energy isn't available for a period of time. Unfortunately, our modern food system has hijacked that system so that now we end up, for most people, storing way too much energy and we never have periods when we're without food, so we never get to tap into that stored energy. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make with their metabolic health? Isn't it just for a simpleton like me think like we should eat properly and don't eat too many calories and live a healthy life? Well, so, you know, that gets to one of the biggest mistakes that we've made. And we think we've been told 
and quite frankly, there's been a lot of science that has been put out to promote this, that all that matters is the amount of calories. And it turns out that the types of food that we eat, how often we are eating, these things actually have a larger influence on our metabolic health ultimately. So that is one of the biggest mistakes that is made by people, by physicians, honestly, giving that advice. And the other is that we just don't assess our metabolic health properly. We make the assumption that if we're not obese and we haven't been diagnosed with some major disease like high blood pressure or diabetes or heart disease, that we're healthy. And the reality is, is that we can be metabolically unhealthy for a long time before those diseases manifest themselves. But how do we know? Well, that's where a good assessment of your metabolic health comes in to play. And one of the things that I recommend to people is that they assess their metabolic health and then they track their metabolic health. And there are five basic measurements that go into assessing someone's metabolic health. The first measurement you can do at home, it's your waist circumference. So you take a tape measure, you measure just above the level of your belly button. And if you're a male, if you're a man, you want that to be less than 40 inches. If you're a woman, you want that to be less than 35 inches. The next measurement to know is your blood pressure. Again, very simple. You can check it at home. You can check it at any drugstore or supermarket these days. And without being on medications to lower your blood pressure, you want that to be less than 130 over 85. And the last three factors are come from your blood work. And this is basic blood work that should be included as part of any routine physical. You want to know your fasting blood glucose level, the amount of sugar that's in your blood when you haven't eaten for 8 to 12 hours. And you want that to be less than 100 And again, that's without taking any medications to lower your blood glucose. And then you want to look at your cholesterol numbers. And there are two numbers that we care about for these purposes. Your HDL, what's called your good cholesterol, you want that to be higher. The higher, the better. And if you are a woman, you want that to be over 50. And if you're a man, you want that to be over 40. And that's milligrams per deciliter, which is the units we use in the United States. And finally you want to look at your triglyceride level and you want that to be less than 150. Your LDL? That's your triglycerides. So your LDL cholesterol, interestingly, the number that most people focus on is not a factor in metabolic health. Why is that? Well, it turns out that LDL cholesterol is not really all that predictive of anything. It has some association with heart disease, but not as much of an association as we've been led to believe. The reality is, is that the reason that we focus so much on LDL cholesterol is because we have medications that can lower LDL cholesterol. So it's an easy to measure number and it's an easy intervention for any physician to look at that number. And if it's above a certain cutoff, prescribe the medication to lower LDL cholesterol. We don't have medications that raise your HDL cholesterol or lower your triglyceride levels, even though it turns out that both of those factors are more important predictors of heart disease and other chronic diseases than LDL cholesterol is. Okay, so cholesterol is number four. What's number five? 
Uh, so four and five are those two types of cholesterol, oh, okay. the, H, the HDL cholesterol and the triglycerides. They're two separate numbers off of your cholesterol panel. And you have this as a quiz at ifixhearts.co? Correct. Yep. If you go to ifixhearts.co, it will take you through those questions and it will give you a score as to whether or not you're metabolically healthy. If three of those factors are abnormal, you have what we call metabolic syndrome. And that puts you at very high risk for developing things like diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and Alzheimer's disease and even some types of cancer. If you have one or two of those abnormal, it's a warning sign that you are on your way to becoming metabolically unhealthy and developing metabolic syndrome. And it turns out in the United States, 88% of the adults in the United States do not meet all five criteria of optimal metabolic health. So again, only 12% of adults in the United States meet all five criteria of optimal metabolic health. Wow, that is pretty brutal. If it it's is. 12%, imagine what it is for entrepreneurs. I imagine a lot lower, right? Well, so entrepreneurs have th some things going for them and some things going against them. Entrepreneurs do tend to be kind of hyper-focused on many details of their lives. And sometimes that can be helpful, but oftentimes health isn't one of their primary focuses. And they're so distracted by building their businesses and doing all of the hard work that's involved in that, that they let their own health suffer. Wow. So who, what, what category of people fare the worst here? Well, as you get older, the risk of you being metabolically unhealthy goes up. Being obese puts you at high risk for being metabolically unhealthy. But it's important to realize that even if you are not overweight, when you look at people who are lean or underweight, 40% of them are not metabolically healthy. So it's oftentimes mistaken that if you're not obese, you're healthy. And the reality is, unless you check these numbers, you may be missing a very important warning sign. Right. So aside from things like basic diet and exercise or people ostensibly don't appear unhealthy. What about the, the, what is the correlation to eating junk food or fast food and having these five factors being all? Yeah, there's a very clear correlation there. So processed foods have been associated with the development of poor metabolic health. And there's really no getting around that. There is some debate when you look at non-processed foods, meats and vegetables. And you'll hear the debates about whether eggs are unhealthy for you and whether meat is unhealthy for you. And, and there are even some people who will say that vegetables are unhealthy for you. Yeah. But in the end, no one really debates that processed food is unhealthy for you. The only benefit of processed food is to the bottom line of the food companies. Fair enough. What about sugar? Yeah, sugar is essentially a processed food. And I think what the science probably shows us is that if you are metabolically healthy, you can probably tolerate a small amount of sugar, a lot less than is in the typical American diet these days. But sugar in and of itself probably has some safe level of consumption if you are metabolically healthy. And remember, 88% of us are not metabolically healthy. If you are not metabolically healthy, your body does not properly process sugar. And really, I think sugar in any amount for the metabolically unhealthy person is going to be harmful. 
would you say the same is true for carbs for these 88%? Yes, our body really does not differentiate between carbs and sugar. It all gets converted to sugar by our bodies. So there are certainly better carbs to eat and worse carbs to eat. The more processed the carb is, the worse it is going to be in general. And as I said, it's going to vary somewhat. If you are metabolically healthy, you're active, you have good muscle mass, then you can tolerate some carbohydrates. But in general, if you are not metabolically healthy, carbohydrates are going to be harmful. What do you think, Dr. Philip, about the intermittent fasting and other kind of fasting programs that people have been on recently? Right. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, two of the things that are damaging our health are what we are eating and how often we are eating. When you go back ancestrally, it is clear that we did not eat six times a day as most of us do these days. So I think the concept of intermittent fasting is a good one. I think if you can eat less often, that is going to help because that gives your body at least short periods of time where food is not being taken in and it has to burn our stored energy sources. The only issue I see with intermittent fasting is it can be very hard to do if you are on a high carbohydrate diet that is reliant on sugar and you are not able to adequately tap into your energy storage, which is fat. So it becomes a lot easier to intermittently fast when you're eating foods that get you burning fat for energy more so than burning sugar for energy. Do you believe in any kind of secret, powerful foods, celery or acai berries or things like that? Really, I don't. I think the powerful, it's not a secret that I think the powerful foods are the whole real foods that we are meant to eat, that we evolved as humans eating. So those are animal products. Those are vegetables. Those are some fruit on a kind of seasonal and limited basis. But those are the power foods. It's not very sexy to talk about that. And everyone wants to find the shortcut. But in the end, one of the simple concepts that I talk to my patients about is eat whole real food. What do you think about the new modern testing on the microbiome and sequencing your RNA and eating according to your blood type? Yeah. So, you know, it is clear that the microbiome plays a part in determining our metabolic health. The problem is we don't yet have the science to really pin that down. What does a healthy microbiome look like? Is it the same for everyone? So we know that there are variations. We're starting to get a sense of what things might be better or worse to be in your microbiome, but it's really not gotten to the point yet that I think microbiome testing becomes very useful. Same thing with RNA testing. Blood type testing really has no relationship to what we should be eating. There, there is no data that I've seen that supports the fact that if you are a different blood type, different foods are going to be beneficial for you. In the end, we evolved as humans and we all benefit from eating whole real food. So Dr. Vadia, this knowledge about metabolic health and these myths that people have, which are promoted by the, the current agricultural system and commercials, the medical health system, how can we fight this issue? How do we educate? How do we get people healthier? Yeah, well, so the first thing I think we need to do is just talk about it more. We need to recognize the fact, and this is talking to both medical professionals and the general public, both sides, we need to recognize that what we eat is 
the biggest influencer of our health. We tend to ignore that too much. And I think that's the first step. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to do with my new book that's coming out and the podcast that I've launched and just having discussions with people like yourself. We need to recognize that what we eat is the number one determinant of our health. And then we need to work on getting a better food environment for all of us. The unfortunate reality is we have an abundance of food around us, but most of that food is not supporting our health. As an example, I tell people when you walk into the supermarket, 90% of that supermarket has items that are called food that you should not be eating. And the reality <laughs> is that you should just stick to that outer ring of the supermarket where you have your produce, your dairy, your seafood, your meat. And, you know, that is the food that is going to support your health. Anything in a box is probably bad in the middle, right? Exactly. My basic rules for people, anything that comes in a box, don't eat it. Anything that has more than three ingredients and you don't know what those ingredients are, don't eat it. Man, that's incredible how the whole commercial ecosystem is designed to get us unhealthy. The idea that thy food is thy medicine and thy medicine is thy food. Instead of taking pills, we can heal by eating natural, raw, healthy foods. How does this affect the immune system? Well, it affects the immune system as it does every other system. And what we are seeing in the face of our current pandemic, COVID, it has been very obvious from the beginning of the COVID pandemic that the people that are suffering most with it are the people who are metabolically unhealthy. Whether there has been kind of lots of different ways that people have been looking at this. Obesity is an obvious one. But things like high blood pressure and heart disease and diabetes that correlate with poor metabolic health as well, it is clear that people that have those risk factors are both more likely to get COVID and then more likely to get sick with COVID once they have it. What about busy entrepreneurs in our community that they don't have a lot of time to exercise or cook fresh vegetables and meat and they're eating out a lot? What kinds of simple tips do you have for them to adjust their lifestyle? Yeah, so the simple tips I have is, first of all, exercise is great, exercise is beneficial, but exercise turns out not to be essential to metabolic health. It can help with the process, but you can get metabolically healthy without exercising. In terms of eating out, every restaurant, you can find something simple to eat. You can order the steak without any of the sauces or the toppings and with a simple baked potato or some simple vegetables that are maybe just sauteed in some butter and make that your meal and skip the bread and skip the dessert and all of those things. Other simple hacks that I tell people, it turns out that whole real food is a lot simpler in terms of preparation and shopping. You don't have to have complex recipes and certain ingredients. You literally can just go to your fridge or your freezer. You can grab a, a steak and you can throw it in a pan for five or 10 minutes and you can be eating and then you're done. So it turns out that doing this is actually a lot simpler, a lot easier. I travel a lot and I am able to maintain this way of eating very well. So when you travel, what do you do? When I'm eating out, I go to a restaurant and most of the time you can find a burger on the menu and I'll say, just bring me two burger patties plain. And then, like I said, a simple side of some vegetables or a baked potato or the steak or the, the seafood. Restaurants are very accommodating these days. It is rare that I'll have a restaurant say, oh no, we can't do that. 
And the other thing is that's important is fill up on those foods. Get the big steak and less of the side dishes and the bread and the, and the dessert and fill up on that. Instead of what people tend to do is go for the little appetizers and then, you know, the small entree. And that ends up not serving our, our metabolic health well. What are some other common myths that entrepreneurs make when it comes to metabolic health? Well, I think we touched on another one that exercise, in order to be metabolically healthy, you need to be spending two or three hours a day at the gym. And the reality is, is that's not true. And I give people, again, simple tips. Get yourself a stand-up desk. And instead of sitting all day while you're taking calls, be standing up. That helps. Take walks around your, whether it's when you're on calls or just every hour you take that five-minute break and you walk around the office. After you eat your lunch or your dinner or your breakfast, take a 20-minute walk. That ends up having much more impact than spending two hours at the gym on a treadmill and then spending the rest of your day just sitting around. Why do you think during these COVID times, there's been so much pressure around apolitically about masks and vaccines and no one's talked about metabolic health except you? Yeah, that's really something that I've been scratching my head about because being metabolically healthy, focusing on your metabolic health doesn't mean that you can't be doing all those other things. And as you said, politics aside, whether you've gotten a vaccine or not, you are still at higher risk if you are not metabolically healthy. And why no politician has spoken about this, no public health official, Dr. Fauci or any of the other ones aren't talking about this, I'm really at a loss to understand that because, as I said, it has been very clear right from the beginning. The earliest data we had out of out of China and out of Italy and out of New York who had those first bad waves were very clear that it was people that were metabolically unhealthy that were getting hit harder by this. Now, people say, well, it's hard to fix your metabolic health. It takes time to fix your metabolic health. And that's a little bit true, but we're now 18 months into this. We could have made a lot of progress on our metabolic health if we had started talking about it from the beginning. And unfortunately, myself and a small group of physicians that I interact with have been talking about this. It just hasn't gotten out to the, the upper levels to get that message out. So if we were to look inside your refrigerator, Dr. Philip, what would we find? So you'd be kind of bored because all that's in there is literally some steaks, some ground beef, a couple of pieces of seafood, some butter, some beef tallow that I cook with. You'll find some blueberries in there sometimes and some other vegetables, some broccoli. But for the most part, I maintain a largely carnivore diet, it's called, mostly animal products. And my refrigerator is pretty boring, but I do have a very well-stocked deep freezer. I buy my beef from local farmers. I, I'll get a half cow at a time and I'll, it will be in my freezer. So I'll have a wide variety of cuts of meat, but you're not going to find a lot, too much else in there. What would you say to people that are going full Atkins where they're just eating meat? Yeah, I think, well, the carnivore diet, just eating animal and animal products is a very metabolically healthy diet. The Atkins diet, which is low carb, it incorporates some carbohydrates in there, can also be very metabolically healthy. But I caution people that the Atkins diet has been a little bit corrupted. There is a lot of junk food that you can buy that had the Atkins label on it that is not going to support your metabolic health. 
So one of the sections of my upcoming book, I actually go through a lot of the common diets. I go through carnivore diet, vegan diet, the Atkins diet, the Mediterranean diet, for instance, and I talk about what is metabolically healthy about them and what is not metabolically healthy about them. Hmm. And I try to demonstrate through that, that there is no one right diet. I do not have the Ovedia heart health diet that I tell everyone they need to be on. I tell people, focus on your metabolic health. These are the basic frameworks that are going to support your metabolic health. Reassess your metabolic health periodically to make sure the things that you were doing are working for you. And let that be your guide. There is no one right way to do this for everyone. And it's also going to change over time for everyone. Because the more metabolically healthy you become, there are different foods that, that you can then incorporate and remain metabolically healthy. So my weak pleasure is bacon. I love meat that's got a lot of fat on it. Is that yep. somehow okay or in limited quantity? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even tell you it needs to be in limited quantities. Protein and fat are the metabolically healthy components of our food. So can you eat fat? It's okay to eat fat. What you don't want to eat is fake fats. So the vegetable oils, seed oils, canola, soybean, safflower oil do not support metabolic health. It's not unhealthy if I, if for breakfast, if I had a pound of bacon. It is not unusual that I'll have a pound of bacon and even throw a few eggs in with that for breakfast. But, you know, again, the caution is you can't be combining that with processed food later in the day. If you have bacon and eggs for breakfast and then you go eat a heavily processed lunch and dinner, you're going to end up metabolically unhealthy. But if you eliminate the processed food, you can eat in abundance the whole real foods that support our metabolic health. Wow. So I basically have to eliminate rice, pasta, carbs, crackers, bread, all that completely? Cheat days maybe? That would likely be my advice for you. Like I said, the first thing I would say is we need to find out if you're metabolically healthy or not. And if you are not, eliminating the processed food, all of those things you mentioned are a good first step. Well, isn't that flirting with danger? If someone's metabolically healthy, that you're saying they can get away with more fruit or bread now and then and all that, but isn't that kind of skirting the line? Well, that's why I think most people in the end end up just eliminating those things. Because again, my basic framework is I want to eat the foods that are going to support my metabolic health. I yeah. don't think of it as eliminating foods. I think of it as these are the foods that I know are supporting my metabolic health. By eating these foods, I feel my best. I function my best. I have great mental clarity. I can run my business the best. So why would I eat those other foods? Because ice cream's delicious. <laughs> it, I do Even not deny that. In the gas tank, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and the reality is, like I said, if you are metabolically healthy, you can probably tolerate those things now and again. But the danger that now and again becomes every day, and that's clearly not going to support your metabolic health. Yeah. So when's your book coming out? So the book is being released November 11th. It's called Stay Off My Operating Table. It's going to be available on all the major online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It is going to be in print format, Kindle format, and audiobook format. And it should be up for pre-sale by the time this episode gets released. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to promote it and create a couple little hooks around it. 
So do people ever call you Dr. Phil? So I got to say, I'm trying, I'm trying to make Dr. Phil great again. I'm trying to grab <laughs> back the moniker from that other guy. <laughs> what questions do you wish people would ask you? Well, you have asked a lot of the questions that I wish people would ask. And the first question I wish people would ask of their doctors when they are told they have a condition such as high blood pressure or type two diabetes, and the doctor says, you just need to take this medicine. The question they should be asking is, is there something else I can be doing? Specifically, they should be asking, is this related to the foods that I'm eating? But modern medicine usually is erasing, trying to get rid of the symptom instead of addressing the core problem, which is the way people behave. Exactly. And there are many things in the system that are working against both physician and patients, unfortunately. So we need to realize that it's not that physicians don't have their patients' best interest in mind. It's just that the system that the physicians are working within and have been trained within may not ultimately have the patient's best interest in mind. Mm. So Dr. Phil, the good Dr. Phil, we have thousands of dentists and cosmetic surgeons and chiropractors that are in our group. What message do you have for them? Well, I think they all need to recognize the importance of metabolic health as well. The dentist specifically, it turns out that one of the early pioneers of metabolic health was a dentist by the name of Weston A. Price. And he traveled around the world in the 1930s and he recognize that ancestral populations that were starting to eat the modern diet of the time, the Western diet, were not remaining healthy compared to the people who remained on their typical ancestral diet. So it turns out that dental health is strongly related to metabolic health. Many of the conditions that chiropractors treat, inflammatory conditions, are related to metabolic health. And actually, it turns out that a lot of chiropractors are very tuned into metabolic health, more so than the medical doctors out there. I have conversations with many chiropractors about this. Yeah, the move to functional medicine instead of pills. And exactly, exactly. <laughs> so where are things going in the next couple of years? Well, I hope that we are going to talk about this more and it is going to rise to the importance that it should. And the reality is, is that I think that is going to happen because we all know that the United States and worldwide were literally being bankrupted by the cost of healthcare. The business owners out there, the entrepreneurs certainly know that healthcare expenditures for their employees is one of their major cost centers. And so whether it's at the level of the businesses needing to control their costs, or it's at the level of the government needing to control its costs, all signs point to we need to address metabolic health, which is a very inexpensive way to improve all of our health and lower the cost associated with the poor health that we are suffering from. Who would have thought preventative health, like actually taking care of your body instead of waiting for all the costs of the pills and the surgery when you're actually ill. Exactly. And that gets back to another interesting discussion point that sometimes comes up. People say that, oh, real food is expensive. It's more expensive than the processed food. And I tried to get people to understand that the cost of your food isn't only what you pay for it at that moment. 
It's all the future costs that are going to come from the poor health that results from eating that processed food. Yeah, those chips are actually really expensive. It costs yes, you your life. Yes, they are. <laughs> it is a good investment to spend the, the money on the whole real food. Oh, man, but I love desserts. I love ice cream. I love freshly baked cinnamon bread. <laughs> so you Which, see diet is the main component here in metabolic health. Yeah, I think what we eat is clearly the main component of metabolic health. Now, there are other factors that we mentioned earlier. You have to get enough sleep. You have to be able to deal with the stress in your life. You have to move some. Remember, I didn't say exercise, but you mm -hmm. want to move throughout your day. Those things are all going to be factors as well. But I usually tell people diet is probably 90% of it. What we eat is the primary determinant of our health. I've heard that abs are made in the kitchen. <laughs> That's a very true statement. I also like to tell people I have a weight problem. I can't wait to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and again, it turns out my backstory is I used to be obese. I used to weigh 100 pounds more than I weigh currently. I lost wow. 100 pounds and I've maintained that weight loss now for five plus years by focusing wow. on metabolic health. And it is the easiest approach I had ever taken to weight loss. I had tried all those other things before. I had counted the calories. I had tried to exercise my way out of obesity. I had done all the commercial programs and I would have some short-term success like many people do. And then I would gain back the weight and more. And when I came to focus on metabolic health, it is the easiest way to lose weight. The reality is, is because I am eating nutritionally dense food, I am hungry less often. Again, you mentioned intermittent fasting earlier. Mm -hmm. When you eat in a way that makes you hungry less often, it becomes easy to intermittently fast. And so you don't worry about portions? I really don't worry about portions. I don't count things. I don't weigh things. I eat when I'm hungry. I eat until I'm full and I eat the right foods. And that keeps me metabolically healthy. So how many meals do you eat? Typically, I'll eat one, maybe two meals a day. Wow. And again, right. I, don't, I don't do that because I'm restricting myself. I do that because I am only hungry one to two times a day. Makes a lot of sense. Well, Dr. Phil, this has been eye-opening. And I can't wait for all the entrepreneurs in our community to learn, to take care of their body, just like they take care of their business and take care of their minds. It's been fantastic having you on the Coach You Show. Any final comments? Just thank you for having me on, Dennis. And I think for all of the entrepreneurs out there, they really need to ask themselves, how important is my health to running my business? If you, the business owner, suffer a health complication, if you have a heart attack, if you need to be hospitalized, that is going to have a major impact on your business. So it's important to do this for yourself and then it's important to do it so you can be a model to your employees as well. Thank you, Dr. Phil. That Thank is you. stuff we need to take to heart. <laughs> All right, guys, that's the Coach You Show. Catch you in the next episode.